This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast. As we get ready uh, for some more October baseball, the second round. You know, the first round. Uh, I wouldn't call it surprising. Um, I thought the Phillies had a great chance. I thought they would win. Um, I liked Seattle, and I liked Cleveland a lot. Well, I always liked Cleveland a lot. Um, In those series, um, I did think the Mets would find a way. They didn't. In the second round here, clearly the four best teams in baseball are the Dodgers, the Braves, the Astros, and the Yankees. Um... The only one that I feel, in my mind, has a great upset chance is San Diego. I, I, I Listen, I have great respect for the Dodgers, but I think San Diego is playing really well right now. I know their pitching's not set up the way they would like to have it for game one, but they're catching the ball. They got a good lineup. They have a good feel right now. They just come off a big upset of the Mets. Um they play their nemesis, obviously. They play the great Dodgers, but, um, and they're big underdogs. But I just think they're live. I really do. It would be very surprising if the Yankees can't survive this series. Let's be honest. Cleveland wasn't even expected to be a winning team this year. They won the division. Now they went around to the playoffs. If they ever win this and get to the uh, league championship series, it will have been an incredible season. Uh, for the Guardians. Hey, I got it right, the Guardians, Um, because I keep saying Indians. Um, You know, if you listen to me, my thoughts about Francona, he's a friend, but also I think he's just an utterly brilliant manager. I mean, look at last year. They were rolling along, playing well over 500. He has to go down for the season, and they just collapse. And look at them this year what he developed them into. Hey, they don't have a lot of pop. They have one guy who hits home runs and knocks in runs. One guy. They don't hit home runs, the Yankees do. But what they do is they play well in tight games and they pitch well. And they have a a good bullpen and a good closer. That's what they have. And they have good pitching. And they're going to have to win games the way they want them in in the series against Tampa. They're going to have to win games 2-1, 3-2, one nothing. I mean, that's the way they play. I mean, they can't beat the Yankees in a 10-run game. They just don't have that kind of pop. That's not who they are. That's not what they – if the games are like that, the Yankees are going to win. The Yankees out home with them, you know, almost 2-1. to one. So, I mean, they, they, they hit 100 more homers than the Indians did. So, uh, I mean, that's just the way it goes. Um, the Yankees are a vastly better team. But – you always have respect for teams that can pitch, and you have respect for any team that Francona brings because of his record and how good he's been throughout his entire uh, career. Um, obviously, there's a couple of headlines going into this. Carpenter 
being available is a positive. He had an incredible season. He's worked hard for this. Chapman not being there to me is, of course, a headline. But you know what? The way he's acted has been outrageous, number one. Number two, I don't trust him anymore. I don't think he's any good anymore. Now, the Yankees don't have a real closer. Holmes, you know he's been hurting. He will be available. He's your most likely closer. They obviously feel they can use any of their guys there, four or five different guys as a closer. Um, that's not the way you want to close games in these, in these playoffs. You know, when you have a great closer, you hold your breath in the season. When you go in and it's closer by committee, it's a rough way to win in the postseason. So in tight games, it's going to be very interesting. Now, the Indians uh, had a big loss because Sandlin was a big part of their bullpen, and he's not there. So they have to plug in, you know, a young pitcher in Morrison into the, into the bullpen. But they have a lot of depth in that bullpen. They're good there. Their starting pitching is very good. We know they don't give up a lot of runs. But the Yankees had a better team ERA anyway than the Indians. I mean, they're just a better team. And they have a whole lot of stars. And, you know, they don't. But they're a dangerous club the way they play if the games can be played their way. If the Yankees can, uh, you know, get the home run ball going, they're going to win this thing pretty easily. If they don't get the home run ball going, if their lineup uh, is very spotty, which it has been at a lot of times in the second half of the season, you're obviously going to pitch around and judge in any big spot. You'd be nuts not to. We know that the Yankees would like to have a healthy LeMayo. They don't. They hope that they have Stanton in the right place because you know how dominant he can be in the postseason in the short series with his power. They've gone through a lot of injuries late in the season. They've gone through a lot of things in the late in the second half of the season, the Yankees, but they're here. And let's be honest, everything points, everything has pointed, everything does point to a showdown between the Yankees and Houston. It will be an unbelievable series. It's a series everybody wants to see, but both teams have to get through this round first. And in a short series, and this is still a short series, anything is possible. But all four favorites are heavy, heavy favorites to win. And they should be. They're the best teams. The four best teams, clear cut. And the Mets would have been the other team, but let's be honest, they won 101 games. They just weren't playing well when they got to the postseason. And it showed... But the four best teams are the Dodgers and the Braves and the Yankees and the Astros. And you have a very good chance that those four will advance. I'd be shocked if 75% didn't advance. Stunned. If you don't have three out of four, you can always lose one. Um, But it's very likely you get all four into the next round. Uh, But the one live dog for me would be San Diego. That would be it. Quantrill and Cole, Bieber and Cortez in game two, Severino and McKenzie game three. Remember, day off tomorrow, day off Friday. Plays into this how? 
you use your bullpen differently. You use your bullpen far more. Now, the Yankees have Cole going, so he's going to pitch. But the Indians will be very aggressive with their bullpen in game one because they have a day off tomorrow. And then they play game two in New York, and then they have a day off before the series would go Saturday, Sunday, Cleveland, Monday, New York, if necessary. Two days off in the series impacts things dramatically with the bullpen, and that plays a positive to Cleveland, which has the stronger bullpen. That's the one place the Indians are better. They can't match the Yankee power. They can't match the Yankee star power. They can't match the Yankees' lineup in terms of pop. Now, this has not been a great Yankee lineup top to bottom. We know that. And they need Judge to hit. The other guy that makes a big difference is Torres. When Torres is hitting, it's a different lineup. And plus, you always count on him late in big games and in big spots because he's had a habit of hitting in those spots. And he can be a distinct, distinct positive for the Yankees. It's been an odd year for the Yankees to have this thought they had, which was almost overwhelming. A thought that ranked with any Yankees thought in history. To have them play 50 games like they were the Stump Merrill Yankees and then come out of it and finish strong enough that you come into the postseason with a little confidence. You can't be, when you're thinking World Series, you can't be overly confident with this team. It's not a great lineup. The team's not overly healthy. And you don't have a closer. There's no guy that you can just say, lock it up late in the game. The Yankees are going to be hold your breath late in the game with a one-run lead. Now, more so against the big lineups that are waiting the rest of the way after this round. But Indians are pesky. They're going to peck. They're going to nibble. That's who they are. But you know they are wonderfully managed by Francona. And they have pitching. And they have pitching that's been good. And they've been hot. They played well down the stretch. They played a classic, classic extra inning game, one with a walk-off homer against Tampa. The scores of those games against Tampa, now you expect Tampa to be the same way. They don't score a lot of runs either, so you expect that. The Yankees scored 807 runs this year. Cleveland scored 698. Yankees hit 254 homers. Cleveland hit 127. You're looking at a pop gun offense and an offense that relies on the homer. And you see all the time. Everyone talks about it. Well, you have to get the timely hit, you know, in, in the postseason. It's all true. And you can build a run. And you can get a big base hit and, and build a run and get a walk and push a guy and get a stolen base. Or And you've seen more stolen bases this year. And push a guy along. Fine. But... So many times these series come down to who hits the ball out of the park and who doesn't. It's just a fact of life.
It makes a big difference. When the ball goes out of the ballpark, what hit the Mets in the Brave series? What hit the Mets in the postseason? That they got taken out of the park. That Scherzer got taken out of the park. That the Grom got taken out of the park. It made a big difference. The home run is devastating in these series. And Cleveland doesn't have that kind of pop. I mean, the Yankees hit two homers for every one of their one, and that's that's stock. So I have great respect for Francona and for Cleveland, but let's be honest, the Yankees are just better. It would be shocking if they lost this series. They have to win this series. If they lose a classic to Houston, you're not going to like it, but you're going to know that or at least respect that, hey, we know how good a team Houston is. If they lost the World Series to a Braves team, which is the defending champion, or the Dodgers, you'd say, hey, we know how good those teams are. You wouldn't understand them getting beat by the, uh, by, I was going to say Indians, by the Guardians. But that doesn't mean you don't pay them a good deal of respect as you start the series because they can pitch. And they're here. And they don't have any pressure on them. You talk about playing fast and loose. In this round, Cleveland, Seattle, the Phillies, San Diego are all teams that are playing fast and loose. They have nothing, nothing to prove. They've already gotten wins under their belt. They've already had some success in the postseason. They're riding high and... They want to be the one that shocks the big team. Like I said, the one that has the best chance to me, despite how good the Dodgers are, and the Dodgers are a tremendous team, but I just think that San Diego's playing really well right now. In every way. And they have some big guys in the middle of that lineup. And, you know, if Soto gets real hot or Machado gets real hot. And look what Grisham's done in the bottom. of the, Look what those guys did in the bottom of the order. I mean, their center fielder stole the show. He really did. And that happens in the postseason. You get a guy who gets, you know, on fire. The old Gene Tennis rule, you know? You get somebody who just gets crazy and becomes a different player. So the Mets had their moment. It was fleeting. It was very hard to take, and they have now put it in mothballs. And now the Yankees move to the forefront in a very, very familiar place in October, looking to get back to a place that they consider their birthright, the World Series. 
and it's been a long time between drinks. Will this be the year? Time to find out. Your emails when we come back. You're listening to the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, email time. Mike Francesa Podcast at gmail.com. Send me your emails there. You know, I told you on numerous occasions that rule was not going to survive long this year. I know the owner was getting very, very edgy. He was very unhappy. I think he almost didn't make it through training camp, and I told you that if he didn't get off to a decent start, he was going to get fired early. And obviously, it's already happened. I don't want to see anybody lose their job. And yes, he lost his job with $40 million still in the bank. He gets $40 million as a parting gift. That's how much he still owed on the contract. That is a guy that Tepper stole from the Giants. The Giants were really seriously in on rule before they swept in. The Panthers swept in and stole him for huge money. And it just did not work out. They were awful. Awful offensively. I mean, awful. So they will be looking for a uh, big, big, proven winner. You can count on that for next season. All right, Richard starts us off. Mike, you have long ago championed what holiday baseball should look like, and I've always agreed, including here in New York, where one of the teams should always be home. We have this holiday uh, in October, zero baseball. Well, that's not true. We still are here in October, and we have the Yankees just beginning. So um, one thing about the Yankees is, like clockwork, they provide October baseball. Year in, year out. It's been a long time since they've been to a World Series. It's been a long, long time uh, for them to win a World Series. I mean, 2009 is a long time ago. Uh, They need to get back, but they're here, and we're just beginning what hopefully is a decent run. I mean, everybody is anticipating a Yankee-Astro showdown. They hate each other. It will be a Great series. It'll be an intense series. Let's go. But they each have some work to do before that. Uh, Tony emails, did we see the Daniel Jones game? You saw the game that you were hoping to see where he made the right decisions. He didn't make the big mistake. He clearly wasn't 100% and he wanted to stay off that leg as much as possible, but he used it when he needed to. He played a very clean, very crisp game. It was a big step in the right direction, no question about it. Joseph emails, a lot of people have taken issue with Buck. I had no problem with him checking on pitcher, did you? thought it was a little desperate. Listen. Everyone was wondering what was going on with his ears. I don't know why his ears were glowing. I have no idea. I have no idea. Were they glowing a bit? Yeah, they were. I have no idea what was going on. But if you noticed, Buck started collecting baseballs in the first inning. He was looking at two in the first inning, and he he when one was fouled off, you heard you saw him yell. To the ball boy, give me the baseball. 
And he was checking both balls, one against the other. And that was in the first inning. So he thought they were up to something. Then you had the buzz going through the, the social media world, but also through the Met clubhouse, that his spin rate was way up. Bottom line, you got a pitcher who came down the stretch hot who was unhittable, unhittable. In a game they needed to win, and he basically stuck it to him in every way. That's all you can say. Do I did it? Was did it ring a little desperate? Yes. Is he wrong to do it? Hey, he's got to do whatever he thinks he can do. I think Buck was figuring, hey, the worst thing I'm going to do here is get him mad at me and shake him up. Maybe he loses concentration. It was worth a shot. You're trying to pull out any stop you can if you're a manager. You're, you're, Buck knew early on, my team is getting shot. I mean, we're not even getting good swings. We're not even making loud contact on this guy. He wasn't striking everybody out, but he was not getting hit at all. So he went to the, you know, he went to the book and said, all right, let me pull out this. Try to pull out all the stops. You're trying to do anything you can to get your team headed in the right direction. It didn't happen. And Neil asks, will losing set Cone off into a massive spending spree? My answer is no. Cohn is conscious of the fact that baseball wants him to stay in line and not spend like a drunken sailor. He knows that. He knows they're concerned about that. And I think he wants to be aggressive but not tick off the owners that he has to deal with or that he has to be in the same room with. I don't think he wants to be an owner that is an outcast because he's spending like crazy and just breaking the bank. I think it will come to that eventually. I don't think we're there yet. I think he can realistically be sold and look at this year like it was a step in the right direction. We had a lot of cleaning to do. We had a lot of culture changing to do. We did that. We won 101 games. We went south at the wrong moment. But here's the one thing that changes. He was sold, and everybody thought that they had the winning postseason prescription. Big pitcher, big pitcher. Big pitcher in the pen, some pop in the lineup, a couple of home run guys, and we can win this thing. And it didn't work. It didn't work. So it's not as easy as just getting the power pitcher and saying, I'm done, we can't lose. Can lose. Let's be honest. Yankees sent Cole to the mound tonight. He might strike out. 12 guys in the first five innings and then give up a three-run homer in the sixth. That's kind of his M.O. in these games. You got to get your team to the good part of your bullpen in dominant fashion. What you saw from the Padres in game three, that's October dominance. 
The other team doesn't think it has a chance. The Mets behind Scherzer or DeGrom never sent that message to anybody in these big games, neither in Atlanta nor against San Diego. Nathan asks, it looks like the Bucks may be slowing down. Does this mean Brady is slowing down? I don't think it's Tom. I think that basically they've had an incredible amount of injuries uh, to the wide receiver core, to the offensive line. They've had a lot of injuries uh, which have slowed them down. They are still in the running in a wide open, and the word is wide open, NFC. To me, the AFC is Buffalo and Kansas City. I expect one of those two to be in the Super Bowl. They play this week. I mean, you have two wonderful games this week. And who would have thought the second one? First of all, you have at 425, you have Kansas City and Buffalo renewing their, what has now become a big rivalry. It's now the game. And now you have a wonderful game with a lot of storylines, especially in Dallas, aren't they always? Where the quarterback situation is going to be fascinating as they get ready to play the unbeaten Eagles. So you have a wonderful Thursday night. You got the Yankees, thankfully, because the NFL game won't make you run to prime. I promise you that. Will not make you run there. But Sunday, that is a great doubleheader. Bills in Kansas City in a battle of four and ones. And then Sunday night in Philadelphia, Cowboys and the Eagles. And think about it, right? Think about that showdown, okay? The NFC East being back, you know, the once proud NFC East. Now you got Philly as the only undefeated team welcoming in the Cowboys. You have a Sunday, you know, where you have the Phillies playing a, we don't know what time yet, but the Phillies maybe, if they're alive, will be playing a deciding game five in Atlanta on Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening. I would think afternoon, but we don't know for sure what time yet. If they get to the game five, but that's a heck of a double dip there. So it's a big week in Philly. You're going to have the Phillies and then you're going to have the Eagles taking on the Cowboys. So, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. That's, that's really going to be a big weekend there and a big day there. And it's a big football double dip. It really is. Okay. Arch asks, this is the time of year when I always remember the 2004 ALCS and the great Red Sox comeback against the Yankees. As a Red Sox fan, the Mike and the Mad Dog show the day after Game 7 will always remain my favorite ever. What are your memories of the week as the Red Sox were coming back and specifically about Game 7? I, this is like yesterday. I have told this story before. I was in Boston. Game three, Saturday night. 
in Boston. My wife's with me because we had to attend a wedding there also. The Red Sox get beat by the Yankees to go down three zip, 19 to eight, if you remember in game three. We are driving home from Boston at four o'clock in the morning because I have to do the NFL now on Sunday morning. So I got a big Sunday that day. I have the NFL now, and then I have my NBC show that night at 11.30. So I'm driving home, listening to Boston Talk Radio, and I'll never forget one caller after another on a live Saturday night show saying, we'll never beat the Yankees. They just act differently than us. They own us. We'll never beat them. The next night, Jim Bell was the producer who later went on to the Today Show and other things, the Olympics, was the producer of my program. He was in the control room and I said, tell me as soon as the Yankees lock it up. The game went to when I was on the air. The ninth inning was about to begin. We know what happened. The stolen base, the base hit, the extra innings, Ortiz, we know what went on. Now they win that game. They win game five that the Yankees blow a two-run lead. Tom Gordon, Clark's ball doesn't go out, doesn't go in the seats. We all know what happens there. The Yankees are now down two, and you know they're coming home. Down three games, up three games to two, but now their pitching is in disarray. Schilling pitches game six with the bloody sock. And then game seven, Joe went back and forth about who he was going to pitch. We all know the story of what happened. I'm sitting in the building, and I thought at that point, I thought before game six that the Red Sox had a good chance to win the series. Game seven, I expected the Red Sox to win that game. I swear, going into the building, I had no faith in the Yankee pitching, none. I was sitting behind the plate with Dog. We have a whole bunch of seats together. Dog, we invited Ed Coleman, who brought his father's glove, who was a Red Sox fan dating back to the 20s. And we watched as the Yankees were down 8 nothing early. And it seemed like the Red Sox fans were multiplying by the inning, that the Yankee fans were leaving, and the, somehow the Red Sox fans were taking their place. And it seemed by the time I got to the ninth inning of listening to Dog Sharp, watching Eddie's big smile, Everything that went on, sitting there through this game, had no chance. My one highlight of the night, when Pedro Martinez, and I blamed Pedro for saying, why do you want to be part of that game? When you came in, I was mad, and I was glad that Bernie took you off the top of the wall. And he said, I didn't want to pitch. In the- I, I remember him saying in an interview he did in my studio, he said, I didn't want any part of pitching in that game. I didn't force my way into that game. I didn't want to pitch in that game. They called my number and asked me to get in the game. And I said, okay, so I apologize for that because I I had hammered him for that because I thought he just wanted to be part of the action. He didn't. But we sat there. 
I sat there the entire game, knowing had no chance to win. The game over from, in essence, the top of the second on. And watching as the Red Sox finally, finally watched all, every bad thing that had ever happened to them against the Yankees. Every bit of karma that they didn't have, everything that the Yankees had in terms of dominance dissipated and melted away that night. That night was the transformation of the franchises. And it has never gone back. Look at the Red Sox record since then. Look at the Yankee record since then. The Yankees have never returned to where they just owned the Red Sox. Not where it counts. Forget what happens in the regular season. We're talking about what happens when everything is on the line. And the Red Sox have been the far better postseason team since then. They've won more titles. And the Yankees have gone into a serious, serious drought. One World Series since 2003. I remember, we got used to the World Series, 96, World Series, 97. All right, they lose the Cleveland, 98, World Series, 99, World Series, 2000, World Series, 2001, a yes, a loss, but World Series. 2003, yes, a loss, but World Series. And then 2004 and the transformation. And there's been one trip to the World Series since. So since I sat in that building for game seven and watched and listened and got beat on for nine innings, and listen, I had to take it because I had come out on top so many times. I had beaten Dog Down over every Yankee victory for so long. So many times the Yankees would be behind, Dog would be chirping, and then we'd watch together and he would sit there and dismay as the Yankees came back and pulled off another miracle and had another comeback and, you know, did something special and then won. So I had to sit there and take it. And, you know, I felt good for guys like Eddie who had waited a long, long time and the memories of his father that day. And I felt good for the Red Sox fans who, you know, were so overjoyed with what they were watching and and experiencing that day. But let's be honest. The Yankees have not regained what they had before that epic meltdown. And maybe now, maybe this team will be the one to regain it. Although, I just don't think they're that good right now. And I worry dramatically about the postseason, about the uh, back of the game and the closer. John emails, I saw your tweet about uh, Bernard McGurk passing, and we send our prayers and condolences to his family. May he rest in peace. Um, Did you know him well, and was his relationship with Imus as good as it looked? Um, All relationships with Imus could be a little crazy. Imus was extremely moody and demanding, but uh, Bernie worked for him for a long time. Bernie was a character. Uh, did I know him well? Very well. We were never friendly. We were never close. But we worked in the same building. 
and saw each other on a daily basis for, you know, almost 20 years. So I did know him very, very well, yes. He was a uh, guy who wanted to be a performer, who morphed into a performer, who obviously became a, a performer through his bits on the IMS program, like the Cardinal and some different ones. He was clever. He was funny. He, you know, was very interested in current events, as he always was with the IMA show. And in later years, he did the show with Sid, you know, mostly a political show. So he had his run as a broadcaster post-IMAS, and uh, I'm sure he enjoyed that greatly. I haven't seen him much since the days of, you know, those guys being with us. Remember, we spent almost two decades where the IMAS program was in the morning, and Mike and the Mayor was in the afternoon. That was almost for two decades with no changes. The only thing that changed was the midday show about 12 times. We never changed. We didn't change. And Dog and I also, remember, had our roots coming through the IMS program. So when IMS would call and say, go on, part of the deal was you went on. If IMS called and asked you on, and in later years he didn't ask that often, but when he asked him, you know, you went on and you tried to go on and be funny. I mean, that was the idea. You had to go on and be funny. You had to go on and make them laugh. That was the idea of the program was Imus was a good audience. So you went on the show and you went on to be funny and you went on to make Don laugh. That was it. If you made him laugh, you had a good day. That's what it was because he was the audience. If he left, the audience left. And he would always laugh. He was a generous audience. He wasn't like sitting there saying, you know, you can't make me laugh. He laughed. He was good about it. And the idea was to make him laugh. And that's whoever was doing whatever bit. The idea was to make him laugh because you made him last, laugh. Then the premise was you made the audience laugh. But yes, I knew Bernie very well. Um, and like I said, uh, gone way too soon. Uh, the only saving grace is he's not suffering anymore. But uh, our prayers, our condolences go to his family, and obviously um, we want to hope he uh, rests in peace. Um, Richie asks, do you think the image Buck has bothers him about losing? In the postseason, yes, I do. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's an image now that continues. Nobody doubts that Buck is a superb manager who never leaves a detail untouched. He thinks of everything. He covers everything and prepares his team with a dogged determination and also with an awareness. He is a very good manager. He has been a very unlucky postseason manager. And part of the postseason is getting your team hot at the right time. The Mets had a really good year. Buck did a really good job with that team, stressing fundamentals, having them play a certain brand of baseball, changing the way they play, changing the culture in that team and in that franchise. He did all that in his first year. And winning 101 games is no small feat, but Buck will have the tag of can't win the big one until he wins the big one. 
and the tag grows. And now it has grown even more here in New York. And it's one that has haunted Dusty Baker, who has been as far as you can go without winning, who was haunted by not winning a World Series. Buck has not yet even been to a World Series. So he has to get there and then try to win one. But do I think that it bothers him? I think there's no question it would bother anybody and it would bother him because he is very good at what he does. And the fact that he doesn't have the complete resume that comes with winning the title. Getting that ring for the player, for the good player, for the good manager, means everything. It means you finally solve the equation. The equation that has been your quest year after year after year. You finally solved it. And he hasn't done that yet. So do I think he's haunted by it? Yeah, I do. Have a good day, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan. And you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.